Um, good morning, my name is Sarah. I'm one of the elders um, here at Central and it's fantastic to look out without a mask on um, and see you guys here this morning. So. Here we are at the very end of our journey in Ephesians. Those of you that are with us quite regularly will know that since the end of August, we've been reading a bit of Ephesians um, every week. And we are here at the very final passage of Ephesians 6 this morning. Uh, this is maybe a part of scripture that you know quite well. It is entitled, The Armour of God. What a journey Paul has brought us on thus far. We've been assured of God's grace and love. We've been told that Jesus, the Messiah, the risen Lord, um, has changed everything. Um, that we need to, as a church, need to reflect that. Um, that we need to love one another, be unified, and be imitators of Christ. But all along, Paul has hinted at and referred to the fact that this is a battle. That we are in a battle. Um, so Paul, who is writing the finale of his letter, um, gives this as his parting advice. We are in a battle right here, right now, um, and this is not just for the early church, but of course, we're on the winning side. The question that I have for us this morning is, are we prepared? Are we, are we dressed for battle? So let us read together Ephesians 6, starting to read at verse 10 to the end of the chapter. should be on the screens coming up behind you, or open your Bibles if you have one with you. Ephesians 6 starting to read at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breath, breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me that, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear Lord and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So, this letter is written to the Christians. This may seem like a really obvious place to start, but actually it's a really important one. Because what Paul is saying is, you guys, um, we, need to, we need to give you the advice you need to stay standing. So you have, you have decided, you've said yes to Jesus, you've declared with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. We need to keep it that way. 
I think when I look at this passage, actually, that what Paul is talking about, what this battle is all about, is a battle for our minds and for our souls. There's a battle raging. And Paul wants us to to see each of us get to the end of our journey of faith with our minds and souls still focused on Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've read this passage quite a few times, and I get the, the image of this huge, hairy soldier. And it's always been slightly um, odd to me, if I'm really honest. It's not something I can particularly relate to. I've never even seen a soldier in armor. But this was an absolutely brilliant image that Paul was um, painting for the early church, because the early church, of course, were occupied um, by Rome. And, and the, the first Christians had a daily reminder of the intimidating control and power that the Roman soldiers had in their lives. So Paul is actually saying, see that, see see that thing of fear. He says, you too have an armor, but your armor is God's armor. In fact, it's not just armor that God gives to us, but the Bible says that actually God wears it. It's his own armor. Isaiah 59 says that God puts on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. I like to imagine myself standing in the royal palace before my lord and commander, and him taking the armor off himself and putting it on me, and saying, do not fear. I've got this. We've got this. Here, take my armor. So, Okay, we're in this battle. And as I've said, we just need to be really clear that we are on the winning side. Um, When we believe in Jesus and make him the focus of our lives, the war is won, right? And the war is completely won through what Jesus did on the cross for us. And nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. Romans 8, 61 tells us that neither death, life, angels, demons, Neither our fears, not even the powers of hell, can separate us from the love of God. But let's also be really clear. We wear the uniform of the king, but we are still vulnerable to the devil's schemes. We must not go into this battle half-dressed. Each piece of the armor is to protect us, and each piece is really important. We must not go um, allow ourselves to be vulnerable, I think is what Paul is saying. And every piece, of course, is a gift. Faith is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Peace, a gift. Truth, righteousness, the Spirit, all given to us. Um, Not through work, but through our relationship with God and through Jesus and prayer. We need to pay attention to each piece. Maybe you're not entirely sure um, if this battle exists. Um, I can tell you, just begin to prepare a sermon on the armor of God and watch a battle commence. Um, But our enemy must not be ignored. Um, Half the battle is knowing that there is a battle and being aware of that in our minds um, and learning to recognize the ways of the enemy. You know, we need to learn to, to recognize the voice of God. We also need to just be on our guard. Um... The battle Paul is talking about, as I say, is a battle for our minds and souls. So even in the trials and traumas um, of, the, of the physical, our physical lives, I believe, the battle is for our minds and our souls. So verse 10, the passage begins, Be strong in the Lord, not man up, be brave. 
sort yourself out. You can strengthen yourself. You cannot strengthen yourself, actually. Be strong in the Lord. Bill Johnson's written a book called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. And in it, he looks at King David, a man after God's own heart. And in David's time of greatest distress, when everything was crumbling around him and his own army turned on him and were, had murderous thoughts towards him, it, the, um, Samuel says, in 1 Samuel 30, it says, David found his strength in the Lord. Notice that in Samuel and Ephesians, it doesn't actually say that we're strengthened by the Lord, although, of course, I think that's also true. It says, in the Lord. This comes from a life lived in, in union with Jesus. The passage in Ephesians 6 is not about us striving. We're not striving to fight, to take ground, to improve ourselves Paul says he wants us to remain standing. That is all, to stand. Four times in these few short verses, stand. So how do we do this? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. David relied on God for his victory. Of course, interestingly, David was also offered um, the physical armor, Saul's armor, when he was stepping out to go and face the giant, wasn't he? And he refused that armor but, if, but without any shadow of a doubt, when David st- stepped out to face Goliath with his slingshot and his stone, he was wearing his spiritual armor. What do we do when we're in the trials? Do we hold on to the biblical truths and promises spoken over us? Do we ret- retreat to the secret place and search God's heart and mind and perspective? Do we strengthen ourselves? in the Lord. Verse 10 and 11, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So what are these devil's schemes that Paul is talking about? Our enemy is the king of only one thing. He is the king of lies. From the very beginning in Genesis, we can see um, that His lies were sent to separate us from God. Genesis 3 verse 1 paints the picture beautifully for us. Now the serpent was more crafty. He said to the woman, did God really say? And surely you will not die. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible tells us that we walked and talked with God. That we were, you and I were made to be in communion with God, with our creator. And the devil's deception created a huge cavern between us that was restored only by Jesus. Bill Johnson says in his book, because our communion with the Lord is the power source of our lives and connects us with our, pers- our eternal purpose, the kingdom of darkness is generally aimed at dislodging us from it and getting us to focus on something else. I'm going to read that again because I think it's so important. Because our communion with the Lord is the power source of our lives and connects us with our eternal purpose, the kingdom of darkness is aimed at dislodging us from it and getting us to focus on something else. So I would like us to ask ourselves this morning, what, what are we focusing on? What do we look at, think about, obsess over, fixate on? Do we jealously guard our time with God? Each day, we need to choose to put on our spiritual armor. It is a choice, I think, that we make. So verse 14, the belt of truth. 
This holds everything together so we don't trip over our own stuff, our own tunic. Know the truths that you are loved, that you are saved, that you have an eternal hope. This is not a feeling. This goes way, this has to go way above how we're feeling on any given day. The enemy loves to attack our identity. In fact, it's often where he starts, as he did with Jesus in the, in the desert. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off. He, ad- he attacks our identity both to inflate us and to deflate us. To inflate us, to, to, to make us proud, and to deflate us, to bring us down. You see, God calls you beloved. The enemy calls you failure, ugly, unlovable, dirty, addict, fat, imposter. God calls you child. The enemy calls you important, wealthy, better than, pretty, powerful. Neither puts Jesus in his rightful place in our minds. Thank God daily that you are loved and a child and a co-heir with Christ. Declare that over your life. The breastplate of righteousness, our rightness with God is, of course, our gift from Jesus, isn't it? The breastplate protects our hearts. God cares about our hearts. When our hearts are right with God, they remain soft and our character strong, just like Jesus's. Do not let bitterness take a hold in your life. How? Give thanks in all things. Verse 15, fit your feet with the gospel of peace. Roman shoes were studded on the bottom to stop the soldiers from slipping. Peace will prevent you from slipping and being pushed down. Peace is an amazing kingdom gift, isn't it? It's the absolute opposite of what we see in the world. Verse 12 reminds us also that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not with people. Do not lash out at other humans. That's not okay. Do not blame, judge, tear down, speak negatively about people. We shouldn't be praising God one minute and then cursing those who are made in God's image the next. Put on those shoes of peace. Where do we bring peace daily in our lives? Where is God asking you to bring peace where it is lacking? Peace is also, of course, a gift. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Are you lacking peace? I confess that this is something that I lack. This is something I struggle with at times. And I know that I have to really look at the why. Why am I lacking peace? What is it I am fearing? Is it fear of how other people will view me, think about my sermon? Do I know, as Andy said last, last week, that actually I have one, an audience of one, one person who I'm accountable to? Do I really believe that in my heart? What is it that you're fearing? Fear of other people is um, never helpful. Comparison um, is never good, and it's definitely one of the enemy's schemes, right? Um, we, we, We feel ourselves deflate when we compare badly, right? And we feel ourselves inflate when we compare well. Bring your fears to God and ask for his perspective and his peace. Verse 16, take up the shield of faith. These um, Roman shields were absolutely enormous. They were the size of a door. They protected the soldier from top 
to bottom. What an amazing image. This is definitely our biggest weapon. Faith is our reliance on God. What do you do when things go wrong? When the storm rages, the fears, the doubts, the sickness, the trials and the traumas, what do you, who do you turn to first in the middle of the darkest night? Is it family, friends, the internet? Or is it your creator God? Is God your first go-to? The Bible tells us that no one can please God without faith. But equally, in Mark 9, when the man brought his son to be healed, Jesus said to the man, everything is possible for the one who believes. And the man replied, I do believe, help my unbelief. Maybe that's you this morning. You do believe, but you want more, and faith is a gift. Ask God for more. Ask God to speak into your life, to open your ears to how he might be speaking. Do you believe that God wants to walk and talk with you daily? An interesting fact, of course, about the Roman shields, I used to be a primary school teacher, so I'm delighted that this has come in useful this morning, is that these Roman shields used to be linked together. And when they were linked together, they created an almost impenetrable wall and they made the Roman soldiers so much stronger, right? I think that this is just fantastic for us because this first faith journey that we're on has to be done in community. It has to be done in community. It will make us so much stronger. If we do it in community, other people will keep us right. They'll speak truth over us. They'll pray with us and for us. They may bring challenge, and that's okay. Remember that the enemy loves to isolate us to keep us vulnerable like a lion. You know, you've seen on David Attenborough, the lions chasing a herd of gazelle or antelope. They'll pick one off, won't they? Because when they're isolated, they're most vulnerable. I was really blessed this week because I'd just written these words and I opened my Bible app, which I think was the Bible in one year, and Nikki Gumbel wrote, the devil fears connection. His ultimate aim is to cut us off from God. He tries to split marriages, friendships, divide churches, and isolate people. We will be stronger if we do this journey together. Verse 17, the helmet of um, salvation. Speak this over yourself. The enemy's lies often begin, call yourself a Christian. Call yourself a Christian and you think that. You're questioning that. Call yourself a Christian. And the other one is, you're the only one who struggles with this. You ever heard that? Nobody, everybody else has got it sorted. In this community that we're in and in your communities out there, let us be humble with each other and honest so that we can strengthen each other, right? Let us be humble and honest about our, our fears and, and our vulnerabilities and our failures. This, your identity is, as we were singing about this morning, those songs were amazing, that you are saved Um, that you are fighting in the army of the sovereign God. Fix your eyes ahead. You have an eternal perspective and nothing can change that. No trials or heartbreaks in this life can rob you of this fact. Speak this over yourself daily. And finally, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Holy Spirit is in charge of doing us good. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit is in charge of doing us good. 
Galatians 4, 6 says that God sent the Spirit, past tense, it's done. God sent the Spirit into our hearts. Um, I was away on a conference this week and um, I was reminded by um, a theologian called Dr. Keith Warrington that actually for Paul's generation, um, the heart wasn't quite how we see it today. We tend to see it as the the very center of the deep emotions and actually uh, that was often associated with the bowels, interestingly enough. And the heart, although it was the heart, uh, was the source of, um, of some emotion, it was also seen very much as the place of understanding. So actually, um, I think we can read this to some degree that, that in from Galatians 4, that God sent this, um, the Spirit into our minds, the place of our understanding. And it says the Spirit calls out, Abba, Father. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is here calling out Abba Father for you, declaring your true identity. It's the Spirit who calls out. Interestingly, as well, this sword of the Spirit, the Roman swords were not long sword-fighting swords. Actually, they were quite short swords. And as well as weapons, apparently, Roman soldiers would also use these short swords, they would turn them round and they would root out arrows that had pierced their flesh, that had got past the armour and that had wounded them. I just thought that was a, a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us this morning, to root out those lies and destructions, destruction in our lives. If you feel that that is you today, we would love to pray for you after the service. And then after all the pieces of the spiritual armor comes the final piece in the puzzle. Verse 18, and pray. Apparently, the Greek word is actually praying. Praying while we put on. So we can read this. As you put on each piece, do it praying. This is the key to the whole passage. But notice that Paul says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All kinds of prayers, worshipful wanderings on the hillside. The Lord, help me, bless me, bless them. Your kingdom come prayers in the moment by moment of the busyness of the day. The silent, who is on your heart, Lord, prayers. Who do you want me to pray for, prayers. The loud, crying, long, intercessory prayers. The Lord, I am listening, prayers. The prayers and liturgy of the Psalms written long ago and the free flow, free form, spirit-led prayers. Pray alone, pray as family, pray with friends, pray as church. Who stands with you in prayer? The theologian Tom Wright, I think I love the way, the the amount of people that refer to Tom Wright in these sermons. He's just great, isn't he? The theologian Tom Wright says, if you're going to take prayer seriously, you probably need to plan it out a bit. You need to make a list, not to be legalistic or regimented about it, but in order to be both faithful to God and those who are relying on you for support. Prayer cannot be reduced to a few sleepy moments um, of meditation. We must, of course, quickly add that that is better than nothing at all, but only in the way that stale bread is better than no food at all. We know that we've all reduce prayer at, on, at, uh, on occasions to sleepy meditation, and that's okay. But let's become prayer warriors. 
for each other, for our city, for our church. Remember the devil's scheme schemes to separate you and isolate you from God. I was talking to a young man recently who has the most amazing testimony of what Jesus has done in his life. He's, he's led many people to Jesus himself. He's been a Christian for a long time, but he shared with me that he's been through a period in his life where he was frightened to pick up the Bible. He didn't want to pick it up anymore because he was, he was sure that when he opened the pages of the Bible, he would feel accused and shame and guilt Whoa, the the devil really seeks to destroy. These are the schemes that we're talking about. I want to finish this morning by simply asking you, what are you carrying? As I was preparing for the sermon, I was really aware of the fact that some of us go into this battle half-dressed, for sure, and I know that I can hold my hands up to that. Um, But some of us um, are also picking things up along the road. We're picking up boulders and rocks along the road. Things like fear of what other people think. Unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, shame. What are you carrying into the battle? Not only are we unprotected when we're doing that, but we're going to lose our grip. We can't be holding onto our faith. If we're holding onto these things, we're physically going to be losing our grip on our spiritual armor. We can become spiritually bound, just like that young man that I mentioned, who is now thankfully free. Um, and Jesus has just come and completely changed that for him. Are you carrying things into the battle today? Do you feel weakened and weighed down? Have the enemy's lies got past your armor, making you want to give up? The grace that Jesus has for you this morning is so much bigger than your shame and bitterness or unforgiveness. You can hand them over in a divine exchange. The Father calls you beloved and child. Hold on to this truth and remain standing, knowing that that our communion with God is the power source of our lives. I'd love to pray for us. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you have so much for us and that you sent Jesus that we might have life and life in all its fullness, that you have sent your Holy Spirit into our minds to cry, Abba, Father, to declare our identity and speak your truths over us. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and show us where we have been weakened by the lies of the enemy. Come, Holy Spirit, and shine a light into any dark corners this morning. I pray for a divine exchange for each one of us. I think we all need this no matter where we are on our journey. I pray for a divine exchange. Jesus, we rest in you. In all you have done, we rest in you. And we praise you that we can hold our heads up high as sons and daughters of the King. Amen.